Hi there, I'm Birgit O'Connor and welcome to the World of Watercolor Painting podcast. Now about a month ago, I was asked by Sherry Dawn Haas if I would answer some questions for her for an upcoming article that she wanted to do about my work in Realism Today. And of course I said yes. Now I've known Sherry for a long time when she was working for Artist Magazine. And earlier this year, when I was doing an event for Watercolor Live, I got to see her again. Now, she's primarily known my work as very large florals that are very bold and dramatic. So she wanted to know how my work has changed over the last decade. So this gave me an opportunity to really think about it. So she wrote the article, and I'll put a link to that article within the show notes. But I'm going to give you an idea of the thought process and generally what's happened. Now, when I first started painting florals, I did start smaller and tight and detailed and with little brushes, but I really got tired of working with so many brush strokes and I got tired of really being contained. I wanted to be more expressive and that's how my work originally started to change. So I wanted to expand and by expanding, I learned to simplify. So what that means is when you are painting really large, it's hard to see it. You can't really get away from your paintings. So what I had to do is actually put my paintings up and walk outside my studio and look back at it so then I could see it. But the beautiful thing about that is that it forces you to basically think of everything as shapes and not so much as detail. And then when you step away from your painting, you're able to better see your values and contrast. Now, if you want to build your name as an artist, it's a good idea to be identified with one particular painting style or maybe even one subject matter. You need something that stands out and a painting style that's recognizable, almost like a signature. Now, I've been in galleries and I've won plenty of awards and around 2000, that's when I started to teach workshops. Because really, I'm a people person, and being isolated in the studio is something I wanted, but I also really like to meet people and get inspired by new ideas. And the traveling was really wonderful, and we had so much fun. But I also didn't have an opportunity to work more on some of the projects that I wanted to, or experiment. Because when I was teaching or traveling, I had to really think about what can students manage within a short period of time. So over the last 10 years, I started to reduce my traveling schedule so I could work more in the studio, but then I started to increase my online presence and really was able to reach so many more people. Now being online and in the studio, I'm able to actually see students work, do problem solving, do demonstrations for them. And we have courses, interactive and also independent study courses. So there's a lot more I can offer. Now, the other thing I found as I was teaching in-person workshops and I'd be getting ready for a demonstration, all of a sudden I found maybe the paper might've changed or the color was inconsistent or the masking changed. There were lots of fun surprises, and I'm saying that sarcastically. For instance, when you're doing an in-person workshop, you usually have to sign the contract years in advance and submit the material list, and then when you get someplace to do your workshop, and if the formulation changes either in the paper or the pigment or whatever material or even the brush, it can be really challenging 
to create the art that you're expected to create and difficult for the student to be successful. Now, this was just one of the challenges I had by traveling and doing my in-person workshops, but it was, like I said, so much fun to meet everyone. And I'll do it again. I've got some scheduled for the future, but overall, in general, I've been having a really wonderful time growing as an artist by teaching these online courses. So what does that have to do with how my work has changed? So being in the studio has allowed me time to expand and try different things. I first started with some looser paintings, and I couldn't believe how difficult that was. You would think being loose just means being sloppy, but that's not really it. There's a couple tricks to it. Minimize your line drawing, have hardly any line drawing actually, and then try painting more or drawing more with your brush. And your brush is also very important. If you want a looser style of painting, you need a brush that holds a lot of water, something that's soft. It can be a Kalinsky, it can be a squirrel, and it has to be something that holds a lot of water, but also gives you control. So basically any natural hairbrush should work. And if your brush doesn't hold the amount of water, then you're going to have a tighter painting and it can easily look dry and labored. And your paper is really important, but that goes for any kind of painting style. So you need to choose the right kind of paper to get the results that you want. So over the last decade, I was able to take that looser painting style and bring it into portraits and figures. And with those particular paintings, they made it into international shows and have won awards. What I also found is with that looser painting style, if you aren't exact or perfect, Nobody knows because it looks like you're doing that on purpose. So there's a lot of freedom that comes along with it. And with that looser painting style, that can easily be translated into landscapes too. Now, another question Sherry asked was, when you paint your florals and figures and landscapes, how is your approach different from subject to subject? And that's a really good question because it really depends on the subject matter. If I want a really dramatic floral or a general landscape painting, I'll probably choose a 300-pound cold-pressed paper, something with a harder-sized surface to it. And that would be because I want to really build my color up. And I want to take advantage of the sizing on the surface so the color flows. I usually intentionally create a large puddle of water on the surface, add my color, and allow it to move on its own. And to apply the pigment, I usually use a sable synthetic blend. Now, if I want a looser style of painting, either for florals or landscapes or figures and portraits, I might consider a 140-pound paper, either a soft-sized surface or even a hot-pressed paper. And I'll usually place my paper at an angle. And that's simply because I might want to encourage blooms or I even want the edges of the brushstroke to show more. And that might be something I wouldn't even consider for my florals. Sherry also asked me, what draws me to paint in watercolor specifically? Well, there's something magical about watercolor. The transparency of the medium and how the light passes through the stacked layers of color and how it reflects off the paper surface below. And personally, I like to put the water back into watercolor, meaning I paint really wet. I like the flow of color and how it transitions. I like to work with the bubble of water on the surface and just let it move. 
Watercolor is traditionally known as a really weak and pale medium, but that really all has to do with are you working with just a little bit of color? Are you using dry color? It can be soft and delicate, but you can also make it bold and dramatic. It feels like you can see the artist through the stroke. And you can use those so-called mistakes to your advantage and add an air of mystery to your paintings. Now, there are a few things that I wish I would have known or at least thought about when I first started painting is that you don't need to be perfect. If you think of every painting as an experiment, you've given yourself freedom to explore. And if you just breathe through those so-called mistakes, you're going to learn a lot. And I really don't think of anything as a mistake, especially if you're learning from it. We just need to adjust and be flexible. And most importantly, have fun. When I think about what am I really proud of as being an artist, I really don't think about those terms, but I do love the relationships that I have formed over the years and the incredible people that I've met and the opportunities that I've had and how art has actually taught me so much about myself. Because when we put the color down, it's really reflective of how we feel. And if we're being really tight and detailed or stingy with color, we may need to loosen up a little. It's an incredible internal journey. But then there's others that need to paint exactly what they see and use smaller brushes and be more realistic. And there is an incredible beauty in that. But that can also sometimes feel a bit more like a technician instead of it being more artistic but then I think that's a little touchy ground. Now, if I was thinking about what would be some of the most common mistakes that beginners make, one mistake would be expecting to have great results using inferior products, meaning really cheap paint, paper, and brushes, because you can easily get frustrated. The materials can be all right for practicing your brush strokes or learning how much water and color to use, or color mixing, or for a quick, simple, fun project that doesn't require a lot of time investment. But if you want good results, you've got to get better materials. Another problem is don't hold your brush like a pencil. Hold it a little higher up the handle and let it sit in your hand. Get some miles on your brush and learn to allow the painting to paint itself. And not every painting needs to be a masterpiece. If you're wondering why you're getting those really thick, hard lines of color around the edges of your image, usually that's because you're not allowing the previous layer to completely dry and you're adding more water, which is lifting the color and pushing it out to the edges. And to avoid making mud, allow each layer to completely dry before applying the next and try not to mix more than two or three colors at a time. Overall, just try to relax, experiment, be willing to make those mistakes and embrace them and just have fun. So that concludes today's podcast. And if you're interested in seeing the article, I'll include it in the show notes. And if you're interested in my online courses, just go to my website, birgitoconnor.com. And until next time, have fun and happy painting.